Well, good morning. Welcome again to Fellowship of Grace. Glad that you are with us today. I trust that you had a great Christmas. I certainly hope you did anyway. And uh, um, we had a house full of kids, and our four grandkids, of course, were over and uh, took me to within an inch of my sanity. And uh, uh, it, was, it was a good time. It's kind of interesting when the four of them get together and they can't go outside to play. Whoo! It's a lot of energy. And, uh, but, but it was good, and, and hopefully you'll have a great uh, new year uh, this week. I, I did put on the uh, city um, that I, I want to encourage you all to think about taking your next spiritual step in 2016. We're all at different places in our spiritual journey. Uh, none of us is exactly in the same place. None of us needs to do exactly the same things. But I want to encourage you where you're at to take whatever spiritual step you need to, to just take a step forward. Uh, and in 2016, hopefully we can all move forward and become more like Christ. We're in a series called Responding to God's Gift. We talked, uh, it was a four-week series. We talked the first week about accepting, accepting God's wonderful gift of salvation. Uh, the second week we talked about responding to God's gift by giving back, by giving to Him, and by giving to others. Last week we talked about responding to God's gift by serving, uh, by serving Him. He sent Jesus to not to come to be served, but to serve others, and so we should serve Him back and and then, of course, today we're going to talk about uh, something else, about another way to respond to God's gift. Uh, by the way, if you were here with us on Christmas Eve, we had a wonderful Christmas Eve service. Hopefully you were here with us. Uh, we had a total of 219 here for the Christmas Eve services, the two services. So that was really exciting. And uh, probably about half of those people were guests. So um, just pray that as we uh, got to minister to a lot of people in the community, uh, talked about Jesus being the light of the world that night. And I was talking about lights and how we're kind of infatuated with lights. I, I think I finally got it this week. Uh, here's one of those houses that I was talking about that just kind of goes over the top with lights. And I think, uh, I think his neighbor has the right idea. And I think it's what I'm going to do next year. I, th I, think, I think if I can just get somebody to move in next door to me that just goes crazy with lights, I can just get a ditto sign point to that and be done, and uh, that'll be the end of that. I, I no longer uh, actually go up on the roof to put lights on the house. I get somebody else to do that for me because uh, my legs are getting old and my uh, uh, roof is getting a little steeper, so uh, I don't do that anymore, but uh, I think that's a good idea for next year. Today we're going to finish this series on responding to God's gift uh, by responding by sharing, and what we want to talk about first of all is just to remind you of the gift uh, we don't ever want to forget that. If we don't understand what the gift is, we really can't understand how to properly respond to it. And so, of course, we always think about the manger at this time of year. We think about Jesus coming to the earth, being born of a virgin, being born in the manger, and uh, uh, the, the shepherds coming to um, uh, worship him. And, and as I explained on uh, Christmas Eve, a couple of people said, wow, you blew my mind tonight. Uh, the wise men actually didn't get there for about two and a half to three years. So they never saw Jesus in Bethlehem. They never made it to the manger. They were following the star for two and a half to three years before they got to Jesus. So they met Jesus as a toddler. I think somebody should come up with a biblically correct, um, a biblically correct manger thing where they have that, you know, uh, and then like a month later, somewhere in January, you have Jesus as a toddler with the wise men. They're giving him gifts. I don't know. I, I don't think that'll go anywhere. Uh, maybe I'll go to Shark Tank and pitch that. I don't know. We'll see. But we always think about the manger scene and Jesus being born, of course, but, but it's important that we not forget that he came for a purpose and a reason, and it wasn't just to be born, 
but it of course was to die for us. Uh, Jesus came here for a specific purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. Those of us who were racked in our sins, he came to save us. And so Jesus did come and be born in that little stable, live a perfect life, and died on the cross for us. We've used John 3.16 throughout this series just to remind us of God's wonderful gift. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Somebody asked me one time, they said, I notice you always look at the screen to read that verse. Don't you have that verse memorized? I've got that verse memorized in King James and New American Standard, and I get them all confused now. I've memorized it so many times in different versions, so I do look at it to get my wording right. But folks, this is the, this is the crux of the gospel. This is the crux of the good news. This is the crux of Christmas. A great way to study the scriptures sometime is to read a verse like this and put an emphasis on every single word. So the first time you read it, you say, for God so loved it. That tells us why he did it. And then who did it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I said begotten. And then for God so loved the world. So when you do that, you really begin to understand the deep meaning behind this passage and you really get to, uh, to understand how incredibly important it is, how incredibly insightful it is. But we want to always look at this and say, listen, this starts with God loving. And because God loved, he gave. That's the gift. He gave. What did he give? His only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish in their sins, but have eternal life. The reality of the gift is that all of us are sinners, and that we can't do anything to get rid of our sin. We can't be good enough. We can't outdo. There's no big scale in the sky so that if I just do enough good stuff to outweigh my bad, it's all going to be okay. The reality is we're all sinners. We can't do anything to take care of that sin ourselves. And so God loved us. He looked down and he said, I need to, to do something for them. He sent his son Jesus, who came to the earth and lived a perfect life, and then gave his life up on the cross. Nobody took his life away. He gave it up freely on the cross. And he did that so that we could, in essence, exchange places with him. By faith, we can give him our sinful life and take on his righteous life. Uh, we aren't completely righteous. We never will be on this planet. Uh, but we get credit for his righteous and perfect life because he takes credit for our sinful life. I'm sorry about my voice. <laughs> and so, folks, we need to understand this wonderful gift because if we don't understand this wonderful gift and how important it is, how deep it is, how meaningful it is, we can't properly respond to it. So with this in mind, God's wonderful gift, let's talk about how we should respond. The first week we talked about one of the ways we should respond to it is by accepting it. By accepting it. God has given this as a free gift to us. He's basically said, listen, you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You don't have to do a bunch of religious stuff. All you have to do is by faith realize that you can't be good enough and put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross to pay for your sins. And by simple faith, we can indeed be saved. The second week, we talked about uh, uh, responding, responding to God's gift by giving. And then the third week, responding to God's gift by serving. Today, we want to talk about this really important thing about responding to God's gift by sharing sharing. If we understand the gift, if we really get it, I think there's a couple of ways that we should respond. First, we should share through our behavior. 
we should share this gift with others through our behavior. Because what we see is that we are transformed by Christ. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is an important verse, folks. It's saying, hey, this isn't, a, this isn't a new paint job. This isn't a fix the dents and the dings. This isn't a, hey, I'll try to do better. He's saying, look, when we truly have an experience where our lives are changed by Jesus Christ, everything old is gone. Everything is new. It's a whole new deal. It's a whole new deal. Listen. This is also a replacement process if you look at it. The old goes away and the new comes. It's not a variation on an old theme. It's a brand new theme. It's completely new. Our lives should be completely different. Now, I have to be honest with you. I received Christ when I was 12 years old. I don't recall or remember what it was like to be a 12-year-old who was far from God and what it was the next week to be a 12-year-old who was born again. I don't remember or recall what that's like, but listen, I can be honest, and I know my own propensities, I know my own temptations, I know the things that I struggle with, and if I were not a Christian, I would be a very different person. I would think differently, I would act differently, I would behave differently, I would treat others differently, I would spend my money differently, I would live my life, I mean, everything in my life would be totally and completely different if I didn't know Jesus. If he hadn't come in and changed my life, everything about my life would be totally different. Totally different. Look what it says in Galatians chapter five, verses 19 through 24. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, folks, this gives us a really good picture of the two lifestyles. It says the works of the flesh are evident. We don't need to have a three-day seminar on, hey, let's, let's define sin for us. We all get that. We all know, and when we look at that list, we all know what that behavior looks like. And by the way, in the English Standard Version here, which is our, our big screen here, uh, this is not a very uh, completely accurate translation here on this verse down at the bottom. It says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who d- really this word do should be more the word practice, more the word um, um, do consistently over and over. That's the implication, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's important that you understand that it doesn't mean, hey, if you got drunk one time, you can't go to heaven. It's not saying that. If you, you committed some sexual immorality at one point, you can't go to heaven. It's not saying that. 
What it's saying is if you practice these things. Now I'm a musician, or at least I try to think I am, and, and I have spent a lot of time practicing my instrument. I've spent a lot of time practicing the piano, practicing the drums. I've taken lessons since I was in third grade on the piano, fifth grade for the drums. Took them all through high school and college. I spent hours and hours and hours perfecting the ability, not perfecting, but trying to perfect the ability to master those instruments. What this verse is saying is, folks, if your life is characterized by these things, if they're the things that you practice on a consistent basis, you can't inherit the, the kingdom of God. Not because you do the things, listen very carefully, it's not because you do the things you can't inherit the kingdom of God. What it's saying is, if you do the things, you haven't been transformed by Jesus Christ. If you practice these things, listen, men, if anger and losing your temper define you, if I talked to your children and I said, uh, say, uh, give me three words to describe your dad. And he says, angry, uh, hateful, and mean. If those characterize who you are, what this verse is saying is, you're, you're still in the world of the flesh. You haven't, had a, you haven't had a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not saying because you do these things, you won't go to heaven. It's saying if you do these things on a consistent basis and you practice them all the time, you don't know Jesus. Now, folks, when I look at that list, I'm embarrassed because in my lifetime, and I'm an old person, I've had a lot of long time to live. I've done a lot of those things. Done a lot of those things. I'm embarrassed and ashamed. But I hope if you ask my wife or my children, list three things that Michael is. List three things that characterize his life. Hopefully none of those will come up. There'll be these things here. Oh, he has a lot of patience. Uh, he has self-control. He's gentle. He's good. He has love. Hopefully that's the same way it is with you folks. But I want you to see this because, listen, it's important for us to understand that this, this gift that we have received, if it has not changed us, I question whether we've really received it. And not me questioning it. God's questioning it. And so it's important for us to understand that we should share through our behavior a transformed life. People should see that we are different. When the folks at your work are talking around the water cooler and they're using language that you know shouldn't be used, hopefully instead of you falling into the trap and participating in it with them, you, you stand different. I'm not saying you have to correct everybody every time they do something. But when I go to the ball game, especially when I go to a Chiefs game, and, uh, you know, I, I listen to the language around me, I'm not there to correct them all, but hopefully they, they see me and they see a different way to act. That's what that means, folks. So it's not only having a transformed life by Christ, but we should share through our behavior our love for one another. We should be different in the way we love one another. Look what it says in John chapter 13. It says a new commandment. By the way, this is Jesus talking. It says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Now, one of the key things when you study a passage of Scripture is you want to really take it apart, observe what it really says. We have a tendency to go to the interpretation way too quick and not stay with the observation. Uh, And one of the key things of of observing in Scripture is to look at the who, what, when, where, why, hows of that Scripture. Let's just look at the who's of this Scripture because I want you to understand uh, where it's going. This is Jesus, and he's sitting with his disciples. He says, a new commandment I give to you not everybody, to you, that you love one another, each other. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people, even those on the outside, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Here's what he's telling us. Folks, if we've had a life that has been transformed by Jesus Christ, if we have truly accepted the gift of salvation in our lives, it will change the way we treat each other in this room, the Christians. Now, we'll get to them on the outside here in a minute. But what he's saying here is, folks, it's going gonna, it's gonna to knock their socks off out there if they see the way we treat each other in here. Now, how does that look? What does it look like? You know, what is it, what's the practicality of that? Well, here's the practicality. When somebody in our church goes to the hospital or when somebody passes away, man, our church rallies around them. I mean, uh, you ladies, I mean, we got a lot of really good cooks in this church. And, and, and occasionally, I just wonder if maybe I should get sick for a while just to get all that food. I mean, it's incredible. You guys just rally around us. Okay, when somebody gets sick, you rally around them. I remember a month or so ago when Linda Gleason passed away, and we asked some people to, uh, to go over and clean Ted and Linda's house before they came home from the hospital so that she could spend her last few days in her home. I, I had to turn people away. We got so many people, I'm like, you won't all fit in this house. I mean, you, there's too many of you. Uh, we've got enough people to go do that. Thank you. That's one way that we do it. But folks, another way that we do it is, is by tre- treating each other with love when the chips are down, okay? When somebody falls into sin or when somebody has done something that we find, um, you know, horrible. This church is named Fellowship of Grace for a reason. Oh, we could have called it Fellowship of Judgment. We could have called it Fellowship of Criticism. But we did Okay, because that's not how we treat one another in the kingdom of God. It's the fellowship of grace. Does that mean that we just look the other way to sinfulness? No, of course not. Does that mean that we encourage one another and, and, and allow each other to just live in sinful states? Of course not. But what it does mean is when people next to us slip and fall, when people next to us don't live up to what we expect out of them, instead of uh, beating them overhead, over the head like one of those whack-a-rat games, you know, we, we love them. We care for them. We encourage them. We, 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 want them. we want to help them get back on their feet and do the right thing, not beat them into submission. And so the way we treat one another is important. How do we, how do we speak about one another outside of this church? When I talk about you all to people out there, I don't say, man, those church people are about to drive me crazy. They want this and they want that and they want this and they want that. I don't, I don't ever talk that way. I just talk about how wonderful you are, probably even better than you really are. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I love you all, and I hope you all love me and you love each other. See, that's the things that people out there are going to notice. 
Listen, they live in a world that's ready to criticize them and beat them down and judge them and all that stuff. They need to see people that love one another, really love one another. Now, I have a sister. I, most of you have siblings. And, 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 or you have other extended family. We've just been around our extended family for Christmas, most of us. Listen, we all got that crazy uncle that, that you know, just has had a here some of you are looking at each other. I didn't mean to talk about your family. But, you know, we've all got that person in our family that are like, man, they're just, man, they just do everything wrong. I mean, they just, but they're still part of the family, aren't they? They're still part of our family. They don't live a lifestyle we would live. They, they make poor choices. They, they mess up their lives way more than it would have to be. They're still part of our family. Folks, we're family because we have the same father. If God is our father and we've, he's become our father through our relationship with Jesus Christ, then folks, we take care of one another. We love one another. And people out there will see that if we really do that. And so we see here that we should share this wonderful gift that God has given us through our behavior. But there's another way too. And that's we should share through our words and our testimony. Now, I know some of you are going right now, you're going, okay, I, I like to do the first one. I'm going to focus on the first one. I'll leave that second one to those other guys that like to talk about it. I'm just going to share Christ with my life, and that's it. I'm going to live so wonderfully, so, so purely, so righteously, that everybody will just come to know Jesus if I never talk about him. Folks, this is not a, a, an argument of either or. It's both are, are incomplete without the other one. It's important that we live a life where people see Jesus in us, and it's important that we tell them why. Okay? So it's not a, it's not a choice either or. And I know some of you are saying, oh, yeah, but I'm not an evangelist, and you know, I'm not a public speaker. I don't like to talk in front of people like that. I, I don't like to be the person that rocks the boat and talks. Listen, if you've got a brand new car for Christmas, ladies, if your husband or your significant other got you a brand new car for Christmas... How long would it have taken you to get that on Facebook? About 30 seconds, okay? You'd have ran out there in your jammies, taken a picture of it in, in the driveway, and you'd have run back in and got on that computer, and in 30 seconds, you'd have had it downloaded, and everybody in the world would have known this wonderful gift you got, wouldn't they? You know, I got a gift like that one time. It wasn't a new car. I was a kid. I thought it was like a new car. I wanted this gift really bad, and, and I, I was hoping and praying that Santa would bring it to me. And on Christmas, I got it. Now, usually, I was one of those kids that usually, I was looking forward to the Christmas break. I was looking forward to being out of school for two weeks. And that two weeks, man, it just flew by. I mean, it was boom, boom, it was over, and I'm back to school. This year that I'm talking about, man, that two weeks was forever. I mean, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have the Internet. We, we, we barely had phones, you know, so uh, uh, I was anxious to get back to school and tell my friends what I got. I was, I was so anxious to get back and tell them, and it seemed like it took forever, but man, I, can, I just remember the Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Man, was that a great Christmas. I got those Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and I could not wait to get back to school and tell my friends. It was the greatest thing in the world. Now, think about that. 
if you got a brand new car, you'd have been telling everybody that in 30 seconds on the internet. Why is it that we can get so excited to talk about a new car or a new house? I had some friends get engaged over Christmas, a spouse. And yet, we struggle with sharing the wonderful news of this gift of eternal life because the incredible God of the universe sent his son Jesus to die in our place. Think about that. How is it that we, we are so intent on sharing these other things, but this thing that is a million times better than any of those, even a new spouse, a million times better? We have a difficult time. By the way, if you got engaged, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to throw water on your deal there. Okay. So as we talk about uh, how we should share through our words and testimony, I think one of the reasons is because we just can't stop. We can't stop ourselves. I know we've been in the book of Acts all year last year, and uh, I want to go back to Acts chapter 4 because there's something very uh, uh, really interesting about this passage. In verses 13 through 20, uh, we see uh, John and Peter, and we see that they've just healed a man that has been crippled his entire life. Uh, they've been brought before the council and beat up, and, and now they're telling them what to do. Look at what it says here, and I want you to pay close attention to a couple things. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, stop for a second, listen, you saying, well, I haven't been to seminary. I can't share the gospel with my friends. I, 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 don't, I'm not, I can't answer all their questions, so I can't share this gift. I don't know the answer to, to all the Bible verses in the universe. I can't do this. See, these were common, uneducated men. They perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Folks, that right there is the stamp of approval. They recognize these men have been with Jesus. Does anybody recognize that you've been with Jesus? When you start talking to people, go, wow, man, listen to that guy. Sounds like he's been with Jesus. Something to think about. Let's pick it up there. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded, I'm commanding the screen now to go forward, commanded them to leave the council they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach to all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, and this is what they said. Listen to this. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God... You must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What they're saying is, listen, you want to beat us? Fine. You want to put us in prison? Fine. You want to tell us what to do? You just work that out. You judge for yourself. We don't care. We can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We've seen Jesus heal people. We've seen Jesus multiply uh, 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 five little loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. We've seen him raised from the dead. And you want us to shut up? We can't. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't do it. Folks, listen. 
if we've had a real encounter with Jesus that has really and truly changed us, we won't be able to stop telling people what we've seen and heard. I, you know, I, I uh, you know, I love you all. And, uh, but listen, when you come to me and say, hey, I want you to pray for me that I'll have the courage to talk to my neighbor about Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. But listen, there are some things you just don't need to pray about. Okay? I mean, we spend too much time praying for things we shouldn't be praying about. I don't need to pray whether I go share Jesus with my neighbor. I should just go do it. I, is God going to say, no, I'm not really fond of your neighbor. Just let him go. I mean, how's God going to answer that prayer? Of course he wants me to do it. And I'm not discouraging you from praying to get the courage to do it, folks. I'm just saying, when we talk about these things sometimes, and it doesn't make any sense. These guys had been with Jesus. They have experienced who Jesus really was, and they couldn't shut up about it. Listen, I can't shut up about it. Some people call me a fanatic. I am. Some people say I'm obsessed. I am. Okay. If you're going to be a fanatic of something or be obsessed about something, why not Jesus? You're going to pick the royals over Jesus, the chiefs over, well, that's not even a consideration. Well, it was doing pretty good. Okay? I mean, come on. Listen, folks, we should not be able to stop talking about this. And I want to, I want to challenge you, again, in your thinking, if you struggle with saying anything to anybody about this incredible gift that you got, I want to just make you question whether or not you've really experienced this gift. I can stop talking about my neighbor's new car. I don't have a problem with that because I didn't get anything. I'm not experiencing anything. I'm not getting to take it out for a test drive or take my wife on a date with it or, or, or drive it down the street and show it off to the neighbors. I don't get to do any of that. I could care less about his new car. Okay? But if I got one, man, everybody would know it. You're the same as me. Have we really experienced this gift from God? The last thing I want you to think about today is this. We should share through our words and testimony because of our love for those who are still far from God. Look what it says in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, I think this is an interesting passage. Sometimes God's word is incredibly profound for what it says, and sometimes it's incredibly profound for what it doesn't say. What's the subject matter that this verse is talking about? It doesn't say. But it's implied. What it's saying is, listen, when you're talking, it's, it's assumed. The subject matter is assumed. I'm assuming that you're talking about this great gift, your life in Christ. So when you do that, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Listen, you don't know how much time you've got left with people. You don't know how much time you have left or how they have left. I remember when I was working at uh, um, Saracol back in the day, uh, guys would make fun of me because I uh, would go to church every weekend and many of these guys were far from God and they partied all weekend. And one of the guys, and they, they did some you know, good-natured ribbing with me, which I was fine with. 
one of the guys was teasing me. He said, well, Michael, what are you doing all weekend? Are you going to be at church all weekend like usual? And I said, well, I'm not going to be there all weekend, but I'll be there Sunday and Sunday evening and whatever. And, and I said, you know, his name is Mike also. I said, Mike, you ought to come with me sometime. I, th- I really think you'd like it. I, don't, I really don't think it's what you expect it to be. I think you'd really like it. He's like, no, man, I'm not interested. I'm, he said, I'm, I'm going to hell. Can't do anything about that at this point. So I'll just plan on going there with all my buddies. I said, Mike, I wish we wouldn't talk that way. We went our separate ways on Friday, had a great weekend, came back on Monday. I walked in on Monday morning, and everybody was just as somber as could be. And I was kind of walking in, and I'm like, what's going on? What's, what's happening? I said, you didn't hear? I said, I heard what? I said, Mike got murdered Friday night. I said, what? He said, yeah, he was, he was dating this lady, and, and her ex-husband crawled through the window and sat on the foot of the bed. Now that man told me just a few hours before where his eternity was going to be. And I, I tried to share Jesus with him. But I tell you what, if I would have known what his Friday night was going to be like, our conversation would have been drastically different. I would have been insistent. I would have tried a lot harder. Folks, we have no idea what the future holds for us or anybody else. And so we better make a good use of the time. What else does this say? Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. That means that it's palatable. A person can chew on it. Okay, they can, they can take it in. It tastes good. In other words, don't be an obnoxious jerk. Hey, buddy, I love you. You're going to hell. You know that, right? Don't be an obnoxious jerk about it. Look, we can share the gospel in love with people. We can share them uh, with them uh, the, the, the position that they have uh, separated from God and do it in a loving and caring way. I'm sure if somebody would have shared that with me I, I, like that, I probably wouldn't have been very open. And then so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Listen, it says walk in wisdom so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Listen, I know we don't have all the answers, but you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, if I would have got a new car and you would have said, Michael, this is a really cool car, man. This is awesome. This is beautiful. Hey, how does that fuel injector work? I would go, I don't have any idea, dude. I don't have a clue. Does this have a fuel injector? What is a fuel injector? I don't know. But I, I know how to get in the car and drive it. You really think he's going to look at me and say, well, you're an idiot. You can't drive that car unless you know all the answers of how it works. Well, I, I bet I can. Listen, we have this thing in our mind where I don't want to talk about Jesus because they're going to ask me questions I can't answer. They're going to, they're going to ask me things and I'm, looking, I'm going to look like an idiot. Look, I, I know where the gas goes and where the oil goes. And I know where the air goes and the tires. That's about it for me and mechanics. Okay? I'm going to pay somebody to do that for me. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to do it. Okay, that's how I work. But I know how to drive a car. Listen, folks, you don't need to, to be able to answer everybody's spiritual question in the universe to just say, listen, I got this unbelievable, cool gift from God that you would not believe. And they say, well, what do you believe about predestination? I don't know. doesn't matter. I, but, but Jesus saved me. Well, what do you believe about the um, uh, Ten Commandments and should we obey those? I don't know, but I, here's what I know. I'm, I was a sinner and God saved me because he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me. That's all I know. Maybe that's all I know. You know what? That's enough. That's enough. And so we don't get caught up in this thinking 
that we have to answer everybody's questions about everything. I want to challenge you. In 2016, make your life count. Share this wonderful gift that God has given us. Share it through your behavior, your actions, and share it through your words. If we don't do that, folks, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Do you really believe that those who reject Jesus will suffer eternally? Do you really believe that? Do, do, you have, do we have the least little bit of compassion for those who haven't yet crossed the line of faith? Do we somehow believe that we're entitled to a relationship with God and nobody else is? Are we eternally grateful for the person or persons that shared the truth with us? I've tried desperately to find the man who shared the gospel with me. His name was Wayne Butcher. It's a former Hell's Angel. It's a great name for a former Hell's Angel. Wayne Butcher. And he preached a sermon at this citywide rally in Lee Summit. Uh, would have been back in 1974. And he talked about, he spent a few minutes talking about all the horrible things he had done as a Hell's Angel. And he said, but folks, I want to share with you something. God sees all sin the same. It separates us all. And I thought to myself, I'm a 12-year-old boy. How could I possibly have done these horrible things that he's done? But what he said was, but folks, all of our sin, no matter what it is, disobedient to parents, lying, cheating, I've done all those. He said, if you've done any of these things, God sees us the same distance away from him. I understood for the first time that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus to save me. And I gave my life to Jesus that night. And he has drastically changed my life. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, you know, my life is barely under control now. I, it would just be a total and complete mess if it wasn't for Jesus. Folks, we should respond to God's gift by, by being more than friendly with Jesus. It should make a difference in how we respond to other people and what we share with them. I want to challenge you this year. Make that a priority. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it challenges us, for the way that it, it loves us and is gracious to us and forgiving of us. But Father, I pray that um, you will have just spoken to us this morning through your word and through your spirit. Help us to have a real compassion for those who are still far from you. Help us to share the gospel, the incredible gift that you saved us Help us to share that with others through our behavior, a changed life, and also through our words and our testimony. God, I pray that you will bring people into our paths that are far from you so that we can share with, you, with them how your gift changed our lives. Lord, we live in one of the most lost counties in this state. They're very religious, but they don't really know you. They know who you are, but they don't know you. They know a lot about you, but they don't know you. God, help us share this wonderful gift that you have given us with those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.